0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: So a couple of things here before we get to Elliot Friedman. Coming up a little bit later on, I will be joined by Bruce Cassidy, Vegas Golden Knights head coach. Uh, the 3-0 Vegas Golden Knights who have a big test on Tuesday, as I mentioned, against the Calgary Flames. Uh, that'll be a big one. David Amber is going to stop by an hour or two as well. I, I missed seeing DA on Saturday when we went into uh, to hockey night, but he's got his own show, Monday Night Hockey. Uh, tonight there's a pair of games. There's Montreal, there's Pittsburgh, there's also Toronto and Arizona. Um, this is a pretty cool panel. Uh, Cassie Campbell-Pascal, Anson Carter, and Keith Yandel. We all wondered where Yandel was going to end up post-career. We all wondered when he wrapped it up as a, as a player in the NHL or a defenseman in the NHL, where he was going to go because media seemed really obvious for Keith Yandel, we got him on Sportsnet starting tonight. Uh, so stay tuned for that, and we'll talk to David in an hour or two. Ken Weeb stops by, uh, covers the Winnipeg Jets for, uh, for Sportsnet. Uh, no Rick bonus in Game 1. It is Scott Arneal's Winnipeg Jets. They're victorious over the New York Rangers um, in quite impressive fashion. And I know it's an only-one-game audit, but we'll see what's up with the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. In the meantime, from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, he is Elliot Friedman, and he joins me now. Hello, Elliot. Hi, i Eric. I hope the uh, power stays on in Stouffville. There's always a chance it'll go out, but we do have a plan if it does, so fear not. Uh, hey, to kick off today, Fridge, I thought we'd play a quick game of should they overreact? How about that? You want to play should <laughs> they overreact? Sure. Okay, so here's uh, let me paint the picture for you. So here are the teams that are 0-2, New Jersey Devils, Ottawa Senators, Minnesota Wild, Vancouver Canucks, Arizona Coyotes. There's one team that's 0-3, that's the Columbus Blue Jackets, and there's one team that's 0-4, that is the San Jose Sharks. Which team should overreact right now? Or sorry, which market is overreacting right now?
0: First of all, I would just like to say I don't believe in overreacting. I don't think it's ever good. I think you make your worst decisions when you're stressed and you're not thinking clearly. That is the most dangerous time for any executive or any, uh, anybody to make a choice when you're stressed out and you're overreacting. Which, um, okay, so which ones do, do I look at and say I worry about that they might make rash decisions uh, I, I think sometimes Vancouver I do, though, you know, Jim Rutherford's been around a long time. He's seen everything. I recognize the pressures. Um, I think New Jersey, you know, they're, they're, I was looking at some of their underlying numbers today. They're actually not that bad. The goaltending, though, has been poor. And that's that's when I kind of look at there. Is, is there some way you can fix that? I, I don't have a good answer, but... That's the question I'm asking. You know, the one I look at and and I say, I'm curious to see where the kind of if there's a kind of danger zone here is Columbus. And because look, I didn't I don't know if I expected them to make up 20 points and get to the playoffs, but I don't think they would have believed they would have started the year 0 and three. And now Liney's hurt, and you kind of have to grind that one out. Mersleykins has been sick; he missed the first game. But I think if you're Columbus, I, I think there's there was so much excitement, and and you want to, and I think sometimes that excitement, Jeff, I think the same thing could be said for Ottawa as well. When there's so much excitement and you start the season uh, with a couple of losses, that's when you really have to guard against making or, or doing things or getting falling victim to the pressures that come with that. So. I'm looking at New Jersey, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Columbus, to a lesser extent Ottawa, because I think they're going to mind that there, I think they're very aware of it, and I wonder what are mm. the pressures that they're going to feel.
1: Uh, I wonder about Ottawa as well, and I think that they're going to be just fine. Uh, I wonder about New Jersey as well, and I think that New Jersey is going to be just fine. I know those first two games were games that New Jersey probably had to have. But, I still think that you know this is a week where they can you know where they can course correct. Um, and I, I'm with you. I don't think New Jersey is uh, as bad as those first two. like look at New Jersey. so, there's a Flyers game, the first one, and there's a Detroit game on Saturday. You know, you have a look a- ahead for New Jersey, and they have games more against Anaheim, then they face off against the Islanders, and they got the San Jose Sharks on Saturday. Like, there are two of three very winnable games here to pull New Jersey back into respectability. If they have a week like they had last week, though, you want to talk about getting ugly, it will get ugly. Um, is there any well, reason? The like, I'm, is, I'm Jeff, curious, because you, you mentioned know
0: what You know what's happened here, Merrick, is... is is now the fan pressure's there. Yeah.
1: And that's like, why like, a big like win when you Hammer. have
0: your fans saying that, yeah. That's why when you have your fans talking like that or chanting like that at a mm-hmm. at your at your games, that that brings in a new level because you you don't want to let your fans run your team. You can't let, let let that happen, but you sure care about what they think.
1: Uh, you do. Do you have a quick thought before we get to some of the Canadian teams here and Saturday's action specifically on Hockey Night. Uh, you have a thought on San Jose. I know two of the losses were in Prague against Nashville. Okay. Uh, they start the season 0-4. New GM, new head coach, uh, a bunch of big decisions on the horizon for, for Mike Greer here. Uh, the Timo Meyer contract is a big one that will follow all season. you have a thought on what's happening with the Sharks?
0: Well, I didn't like that game against Chicago the other night. Um, I did not like that game against the Blackhawks at all. You come out, you've got the lead, and you give up, what, five in a row? By the way, one of my buddies from Vancouver called me. He, he said, that game was so Vancouver. I'm like, they weren't even playing. And he goes, I know, <laughs> but we had to give up a second rounder to move Dickinson, and he gets three points. He said, that's so va- that could only happen to the Canucks. I said, I'm sure that's happened to lots of teams before. He goes, no, no, only, only Vancouver. He was completely (laughs) irrational. I couldn't, I couldn't talk him out of it. Um, You know, I, I'll tell you what I would think. Meyer and Carlson had rough starts to the year. Um, You know, they, I haven't watched a ton of San Jose, but I watched a little bit, and I don't think we expected a ton of from the Sharks this year, Jeff. But you at least want to see that your best players are starting out like your best players, and you know Carlson's really struggled early. Myers kind of struggled early. That is the thing that makes me nervous, for the because you you just want your best players to start your year well. And in a few cases for San Jose, that absolutely hasn't you know come. Like the the thing with Meyer. Is that you know he's represented by Claude Lemieux and, and, and Claude Lemieux told Sheng Peng, as one of the reporters out there, that they're not going to talk until after the season. Now I don't necessarily think that's a big deal, but as you as you pointed out, it's a 10 million dollar qualifying offer, right? And you know yeah. when they signed Timo Meyer the last time, the direction of the franchise was much more different than it is now. And you know if he doesn't get going or he doesn't get running. That's that's going to be really tough for that organization to make that decision properly. It's it, and then and then what it also does is it makes it harder for you to get what you want or need to get uh, when he's not playing well. So I know yeah. it's four games. Like I said, I don't like to overreact, but it's it's not a good start for him and them.
1: Do you think that? the Timo Myers situation will be a direct reflection of what we might want to call the Matthew Kachuk chill? Because Kachuk faced this one too, right? I'll just take the qualifier and walk away. Yes, you know, that could happen. Um,
0: you know, the the other thing also is that, you know, it, it's similar to what uh, Ottawa was going to be dealing with with DeBrinket. You know, DeBrinket knows he's got $9 million next year. Uh, because that's his QO. And if he doesn't sign an extension, then he knows he's got that. And I'm not saying he's trying to hold the Sanders over the barrel or anything like that. Some players are more interested in using their leverage than others. But Kachuk certainly was, and, you know, we'll see what happens down the road. I mean, you know, the one thing for Meyer that's tough, and it's not only tough for the team, it's tough for the player. If the player doesn't – like, the thing about Kachuk is – he went into that with a 100-point season, right? So he's really got leverage. He's got leverage in terms of his contract, and he's got leverage because he's had a monster year. You know, So what Meyer has to do is he has to fulfill his end of the bargain. He's got to go out, and he's got to have a monster year. And, uh, you know, last year, I-, I, thought he had a- I thought he was really good. He was a point-of-game player for the first time. Everything was going in the right direction, and like you know, Jeff, there's still 78 games to go. This is overreaction season, but I I, got, yeah. I get the sense that nobody's happy there about the way that started the year for him.
1: Okay, so let's overreact even further. Then Calgary Flames 82 and 0 after beating Colorado and Edmonton.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I was back working at the score once. Uh, I, I Jim Fragosi was the Jays manager and. Uh, we, they did a thing at the beginning of the season with him, and uh, he he got annoyed at some of the questions, and he's like, "No, was, you know, you're not going to win every game." And I said, "So, Jim, one eighty-two and a uh, one sixty-two and oh or bust." And he didn't like that at all. He didn't get the humor of the joke. <laughs> um, but you know, the Flames—they were a bit nervous. You know, they just in terms of you, you make all the changes you make. And you start with Colorado, Edmonton, and Vegas, and they've got two out of three. And I thought they looked really good, yep. I thought they looked really good against Edmonton. Now, they were, there were stretches that they took their foot off the gas, and the Avalanche made that a game, and so did the Oilers. But you'll take situations where you're up 5-1 and 4-1 and you're in position to win. Uh, I, I'm curious to hear what Cassidy has to say with you. Vegas has had a really good mm-hmm. start. I'm really looking forward to that game tomorrow night. I think, you know, like like I got to tell you, like, you know, Weger and, T- and Tanev and and just the whole fit that they seem to have on their blue line. You know, the other thing that's really noticeable to me for Calgary in their first couple of games is Sutter's putting a lot of trust on his, on his depth forwards. Like we know he's going to trust the Lindholm line and you hope he's going to trust, you know, K- Kadri and, and Backlund. But that fourth line, in both those games, he put them out there in, in pretty key situations. The, the, he really believes in establishing identities, and this is your role. And it's not just the star players there in Calgary, although they've been very good. He's, he's making sure that those deaf guys are, I know that they're going to be a, a big part of it.
1: So that's uh, Luchich, Rooney, and Richie. And I'll tell you, the one that's kind of popped for people here is, I know it's only a couple of games, is Brett Richie. On that fourth. Well, yeah, the, remember, they, like, we all know they what to expect. Cop- like, he's... Go well, ahead, bud. No, I was going to say, like, he seems to be the the one. And this isn't new for Daryl Sutter at all. Like, we've seen him have a lot of face specifically with anyone around Milan Lucic last season. But Brett Ritchie seems to be the one that's almost really distinct. And it's again, this is like, they're playing 10 minutes a night. But Brett Ritchie seems to yep. be the guy that's kind of popped on that fourth.
0: I actually thought Rooney was pretty good too, but Richie had that big goal because Colorado scores early on, on Thursday night in the opener, and then Richie was the one who came back and, and tied it. But I, I liked, uh, like, I didn't see a lot of Rooney when he played for the Rangers, but, you know, again, like the first couple games, they were throwing him out there in situations, and, and he was looking good. It's a, it's a good omen for them. And it's the same thing we talked about last year was Zadorov, and, and Kelly and I were talking about it on Saturday night. This is a guy who you know he's they found a role for him they said nikita this is your role here and he, it works and i think that's the thing that sutter does best is he establishes that everybody's got an identity and, and you're gonna i'm gonna put you in a position where you can play to it you yeah,
1: know i mentioned this on the podcast we recorded last night that came out this morning i thought that nazim Kadri was outstanding on saturday like it's like the battle of, uh, of ontario was built for him the battle of alberta is built for him? I thought that Kadri was the best player on the ice Saturday for each.
0: Well, I think battles generally are built for him. You know, the meaner the game, the more engaged he is. And it's very clear that one thing he's learned to do is control. uh, Ron loves the old Ray Emery line, anger is a gift. And, uh, you know, Kadri knows that and has learned that. And uh, he's channeling it properly. And man, that makes him a hell of a player.
1: You know, a little bit later on in hour or two, I'm going to talk to David Amber, who's the new host of a new show, Monday Night Hockey. Oh. It is uh, with Cassie Campbell, Pascal, Anson Carter, and Keith Yandel. And one of the two games on deck, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Arizona Coyotes, Eric Shelgren gets a start tonight. We know the situation with <clears throat> Matt Murray. Uh, you were there at this gate on, uh, on on Saturday morning. Do you have a thought on the Maple Leafs leading into this one tonight?
0: I think, look, this is this is the worst-case scenario for Toronto, that when they did this this summer in goal, and again, I, I think it deserves to be mentioned. I think Dubas' first couple of swings were Marc-Andre Fleury and Billy Husso, and neither one of them yeah. materialized for Toronto. So he looked down the list of what was next, and he ended up with Murray. And I, I, I think... You know, Murray was really excited for this. I, I, I think he was really excited to go to Toronto. I think these are people he knew and know him. Keith, Dubas, John Elkin. Um, you know, these are people who yeah. know him really well. And the worst case scenario happens, and now he's out. Like They're saying, a month. And it's not what you want. Now, that's life you you have to deal with it you have to adjust uh the, the, you know one man's injury is another man's opportunity and samsonov ran with it on saturday night he got them a w shaldren you know he's probably a little annoyed that after the way he played at the end of last year he really wasn't given a chance to compete for the job if you're any kind of competitor that annoys you okay so now that's over and now you've got your chance. Make your name. And they're putting him in a position to succeed tonight. This is a team that's already lost twice. This is a team that does not have high expectations. You've got to deliver. You know, you've, you've got to find a way. Now, you pointed out to me when we were talking off air, you know, when they played Vimalica last year, he made about a billion saves, and oh, Arizona yeah. beat them. That could always happen, but you've got to do what's best you can. I'm actually looking for, I guess, Vala I wasn't able to go this morning, but I guess Vala can play tonight because cause even though he doesn't have his U.S. papers yet, he's obviously clear to play in Canada. So that's another thing I'm going to be looking at because, you know, this is a fresh chance for him. In Calgary, they thought he was going to be a stud. He was going to be a real good player. He got hurt. It didn't work out. That happens. Life gets in the way. Well now, here's your other opportunity to be successful.
1: Uh, I mentioned this to you as well. I'm really pulling hard for Vimalka this year. Like it was like 95 shots that he's faced in two games already. He's going to be, you know, this is like That's the opening, a lot of rubber. Uh, a, a opening and closing. That's a he's going to be like Denis Lemieux in slap shot. Like this is going to be a lot of pucks uh, that this guy sees all season. Okay, a couple of things quick. So he's also on David's show tonight, he's Montreal. Seen a
0: lot of rubber. <laughs>
1: A lot of rubber. Um, Samuel Monson both starts tonight for the Montreal Canadiens, parental leave for Jake Allen. Uh, It is the Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins have jumped out. Uh, Two games, two wins. They're looking good. Uh, Montreal with the one win against the Toronto Maple Leafs and then a couple of losses against Detroit on Friday washington on saturday the one point that i was making off the top is the the interesting thing about montreal with usually with rebuilding teams one of the challenges is keeping them in the game for three full periods you know the game gets out of hand by the midway point of the second and the team just falls apart we've seen that countless times with squads i don't think that happens to montreal like i know there's going to be a lot of losses for montreal this season i just can't see them not being in a game for three periods this
0: one's going to be tough tonight. I've watched, I watched Pittsburgh a little bit. They look really good. The Penguins looked really good in their first couple of games, uh, particularly on Saturday night. I thought they looked really dangerous. And, you know, much this, this more than any of their other games so far, Toronto, uh, Detroit, Detroit, and Washington, I think is going to test that young Montreal defense. I, I think this is a huge challenge for them. Uh, Crosby loves playing the Canadians because uh, of how much he liked them as a kid. I, I think this is a yep. big, big test for the Canadians' young defense especially because the Penguins look dynamite to start the year. And this this, this to me is going to tell me a lot about what you said. You know, Can you keep up against a team like this that's firing
1: like this? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. We'll be watching tonight. Um, before we conclude, I want to ask you about the Philadelphia Flyers. So as we all expected, the Philadelphia Flyers are having a great start. Um, yeah, we
0: all knew this was going to
1: happen. Bra- we, we all, we all predicted it for, for sure. Um, so the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, so Rasmus Pristelainen is injured. Uh, they call up Louis Belpito from Lehigh Valley in the American Hockey League. And I think a lot of Flyers fans are saying, hold on a second. What about Cam York? First round pick, surprise cut. Many, probably some in the organization had him making the Philadelphia Flyers out of camp. I think a lot of Flyers fans are looking at this and saying, A, one, they must really be committed to keeping Cam York down for, I don't know, half the season and just let him play. Um, and Louis Belpito gets called up. How do you see the Flyers right now, Fridge? This because I think this one, like amongst Flyers fans, probably raised eyebrows. Where's Where's our Cam York? Well, I don't think, don't think it should uh,
0: raise eyebrows, Jeff. Like, like Tortorella has a way of of doing business, and his his, his business is that he's going to send you messages that you really have to earn it to play and be there. Like, to send Cam York down when they did, that was a message that he hadn't earned it to be there, and it, it says to me that they just don't feel that that's changed. That that's still the way it is. Like, you know, just for a second there, I, I just parked, I got home, I was, you know, I, I was checking something quickly um while you were asking the question, and someone sent me a, a text that said, "Did you hear what Tortorella just said?" And I'm like. Well, no, I'm on the radio right now, dummy. And he said to me, he said to me, he called it a young, dumb league. So you have to be smart. And so, I mean, look, like Philadelphia is getting the full Tortorella right now. And they really, like, if if you look at what happened last year, that's a team that felt that everything uh, exploded. They felt the, like the coach, I'm not talking about Mike Yo here, but they felt that the, some of the coaches weren't committed. They felt that some of the players weren't committed. They felt that nobody was pulling in the same direction. And the whole team was, was overcome by like sort of like inertia and selfishness and, and everything. And, and Portarella and doesn't allow that. And so, like like everybody I, I guarantee you there's a bunch of young players and even some veterans who look at what happened at Cam York and said, That's our message. Because everybody thought that Cam York was gonna be on this team and he's yeah. gonna keep sending that message until somebody down in Lehigh Valley tells them Cam York is ready to play.
1: You know what's also interesting? We'll uh, we'll finish up on this one, for you. You know what else is fascinating? And again, it's only a pair of games, but you know, we all expected the Philadelphia Flyers to stumble out of the gate. They they still may drive this thing into the ditch. Who knows? Um, and the two players that we wondered about who would be trade candidates, Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny, I think, Elliot, you can safely make the point. They've been their two best players. Those two guys, that defenseman, that wing, had been their two best players early this season. The two that we keep circling around saying they're going to need a decision on Provorov. They're going to need a decision on connecting teams have called before. They've been the two best players for each. It'll be
0: interesting because I guess Provorov's playing with D'Angelo, and a couple of teams have told me that those two look really good together. And, you know, one -hmm. thing about Provorov is one of the things I'd heard is that one of the things they talked about with Provorov is they felt that he didn't always play with people who could move the puck, so teams were... All over him, all over him, and now, and so that's one of the things they wanted to see was could he if we played with someone who could move the puck, um, mm-hmm. does that make him a better player? And as you said, the early returns are yes
1: looks good as does me, what, me, this remember, is a big
0: one it- for Vancouver tonight, too. Like, this is a big back-to-back. I, again, it's, it, they're two games in. I, I just have a feeling yeah. that these are going to be big ones for the Canucks.
1: It's Washington and CBJ for uh, for Bruce Boudreaux's squad. We will uh, be tuned in on Sportsnet Pacific. Uh, all right, Fridge, back to your uh, regularly scheduled Monday. Thank you very much, sir. Have a great day. There he is, Elliot. Elliott Friedman from, uh, from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, when he said that he was just stepping away from his phone to, uh, uh, to check messages, what he was trying to say was, uh, don't text me now, I'm busy ignoring Merrick.